Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast with Mark and Justin. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you. Incredible Nerds present arguments as to why Star Wars The Phantom Menace is a great Star Wars movie. Welcome everyone to the Credible Nerds podcast. This is our new Star Wars series, Arguments as to Why The Phantom Menace is a Great Star Wars Movie. And I am your host, Justin, and as always, I have my fellow Force user with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? And this is episode four in our new Star Wars series. Uh, Previously, we've talked about the Jedi, as well as new organizations in, in The Phantom Menace, such as the Senate and the Jedi Temple and the Sith. And then we also talked about the different planets that we see in episode one. That was our last episode, so... This episode, we'll be talking about how the Force is introduced to the overall saga. Uh, The Jedi play a huge part throughout episodes one through nine. And one of the things that they are known for is using the Force. So we'll talk a little bit about the Force and how the Jedi use it and kind of just the general context of the Force. So if you're one of the, if you're of the generation that started with episode one, and watched episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, soon to be nine. Um, you've grown up with this idea of Jedi and the Force and what they do. But for those of us who started with episodes four, five, and six, um, we did get introduced to the Force, but I would say we had limited knowledge and limited examples of how the Jedi used the Force. So, uh, I think that's one thing that the Phantom Menace does really well is show us what the Force is, how the Jedi use it, even the Sith use it. And it's a pretty good introduction to what the Force is. Growing up, I remember as a kid that I just, one of the things that really captured my attention was was the Force and how people could use the Force. Um, my perception was you'd have to be a Jedi to be able to to use the Force. It wasn't just something that, Anybody could use, even though I tried myself a couple times when I was laying in bed and I didn't want to get up and turn off the light. I tried to use the force to turn off the light, but um, obviously it didn't work. Darn it. But uh, <laughs> so for you, Mark, you, you were introduced to episodes four, five, and six first as well on video, right? Yes. Yep. I was uh, just a little kid. My brothers loved it. Uh, my older brothers, they all saw it. So I, I grew up with it, um, and I remember, I mean, I remember watching it, right, and thinking, man, I wish I could, I wish I could make, you know, tell soldiers that these aren't the droids they're looking for, and they would look the other way, right? I mean, you always try it, and, and uh, it just, it never worked either. I guess I'm not worried. <laughs> can't pull the sword from stone either, so I, I don't know what to tell everybody, but uh, it's... You know, it, it's really neat. You know, I think every kid that sees Star Wars 
at some time or another thinks maybe this time and tries something, <laughs> right? Whether it's like, I need that drink and they hold out their hand and then they got to walk across the room and get the drink anyway, uh, you know, or, you know, something. But um, I guess it, it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. So if De- the force was definitely one of those cool things about Star Wars. And um, with the Phantom Menace, we're, we're shown that there's the Jedi and the Sith, and they're both able to use the force. That we got the light side for the Jedi and the dark side for the Sith. But throughout the movie, we're, we start watching with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and we see them use the force throughout the, the film as they can run really fast and jump really high, block laser bolts with their lightsabers using the force. Um, so all kinds of different skills that they can use. They, I think Qui-Gon says that um, the force allows you to see things before they happen. And it appears like you have super fast reflexes, but it's, it's more than that. It's just, you can actually see the future, whether it's um, just a few moments ahead in, in the future or a couple of minutes, a couple of days. We've had examples of people seeing the future years out years ahead into the future so all kinds of skills that um we're we're able to see the jedi use because of the force was there for you mark was there a certain um skill or force power that that you liked or when you saw the phantom menace that like well that's pretty cool or what were your thoughts uh the super speed was freaking awesome right yeah. When they were fighting the droids in the ship and then they ran off and you look down, they're like way off wind. I think that was pretty cool. Uh, I think it was the only time we saw it, right? Yeah. In all the films. And I was reading into it and apparently you're supposed to be able to use that force power, not just for running, but for fighting or whatever else too. And I was kind of bummed. Oh, why was that the only time we saw it? Um, but so that that was really cool. And then I think like the force jumps were awesome. I mean, we didn't really see too much of it in the originals, right? I think we saw Luke like jump up a thing once or jump down it, you know? Yeah. But that was it really. We didn't really see a whole lot of force jumping. And so when they were, you know, in the last fight when they were jumping from bridges and stuff and when Qui-Gon fought uh, out in the desert when he fought Darth Maul and he jumped onto the ship and then flew away. I was like, that would be awesome just to jump like, oh, I'm going to jump three stories right now and uh, and do it. And so those were the ones from The Phantom Menace that I really liked. I was like, man, that would be neat. Yeah, I agree. Um, we also are introduced to some different concepts um, of the Force. There's the midichlorians. There's a virgins of the force. And then we hear about a prophecy of the chosen one. And those are introduced here in this first episode. First, I want to talk about virgins. And when I heard that, I didn't really know what it meant. So this is what it says. This is what I'm seeing. So I just looked up virgins of the force and it says a virgins or nexus point was a phenomenon of the force that was centered around a place or an object and in rare instances around an individual. A virgence was a place in the galaxy where the force flowed the most freely in a concentrated wellspring of energy that could, more be, could be more easily harnessed by those sensitive to its powers. Okay. 
So a virgins in the force is a nexus point. Yeah, so that's why May says it's located around a person because that's something that they hadn't really encountered before because it sounds like most of the time it's the force has been heavily concentrated in objects or places and maybe this is the first time they're actually seeing it in a person. Mhm. Which which would make sense, right? Like this, the Jedi temples and the Sith temples and stuff were all centered around specific areas, right, that produced more force, which would be like a virgins of the force, which is probably why they built them there for good yeah. or bad, right? Yeah. And, and now they have a virgins around an individual. Yeah. So that led into uh, the concept of midichlorians, which is a hot topic in Star Wars fandom. And so midichlorians allow a Jedi or a person to use the force. And if you have a higher midichlorian count in your body, in your blood, then you are able to use more of the force. So the force isn't isn't midichlorians. Um, Midichlorians don't determine if you're a Jedi or not. It allows the force to flow through this person either a lot or a little, depending on your midichlorians. And so in some ways, it's a, a scientific explanation of how someone can use the force. And it's through the midichlorians that someone can access a lot of the force or a little bit of the force. So that would, it would kind of explain too why like Darth Vader was so powerful, right? Like he just had access, even after he lost his legs and an arm and, you know, everything else. He was just, I mean, he had this virgins around him that he could just access. Yeah. So with this virgin, this, this powerful nexus and his high midichlorian count, that's, it was like a super boost to be able to use the force, which leads us into the prophecy of the chosen one, which they never fully explain. They just say the prophecy of the chosen one who will bring balance to the force. Well, I heard it was probably misinterpreted too. <laughs> Yeah, and it apparently was misinterpreted. <laughs> yeah, we don't really know what that is. I, I mean, in the end, I think we can all assume that uh, some kid will bring balance to the force, whatever that means. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about it just here and there throughout the years. And my perspective, you can definitely jump in and and you know let us know yours, but mine is that... You know, at the time there was, I think we said in the previous episode, like over 10,000 Jedi in the galaxy before the Clone Wars. And there were only two Sith. So the obvious answer is, you know, 10,000 Jedi who use the access the light side, two Sith who access the dark side, you know, maybe a couple more here and there who don't really, aren't part of the Sith, but still use the dark side. But obviously there's an imbalance there. So at the end of episode three, we see how Darth Sidious and Darth the newly crowned Darth Vader make those those two sides more equal. And at the end, by the time episode four starts, we got two Sith, Darth Vader, Darth Sidious, and we got two Jedi, Yoda and Obi-Wan. So there's the balance. That's the obvious explanation. Yeah. Huh. I never thought of it like that. What's your perspective on the balance of the force? Uh, I mean, I've talked about this a million times. Uh, I think when it says he brought balance to the force, I think that was him killing Palpatine. 
Okay. And not that that created balance in the force, but it destroyed Yoda was gone. Right. Uh, Yoda. So Yoda's dead. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's dead. And you know, the last two, like you said, and then now you have Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, he's going to die. And now he's killed Palpatine, the last true dark Sith. And then all you really have left as a major force user in the universe that we can see and know is Luke. And I think Luke was the balance in the force, right? Uh, he had pulls from both sides. Yeah. Why he was good and stuff like that. We see a lot of, um, kind of shadowing about what his father was. He dressed in black. He, you know, kind of made some questionable decisions sometimes, you know, uh, when people weren't looking and things like that. But you kind of get it when he talks to Ray later in the things that he understands that, you know, to idolize the Jedi is part of the problem that, you know, they were, you know, weak in their own way. And he kind of understood that. So I, uh, you know, I have a feeling that we're going to find out in this next movie that he was more neutral as opposed to light side. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we know after Return of the Jedi, he tried to start his own Jedi Academy to train a new generation of Jedi, and that failed when Kylo Ren took over, like killed his, all of his students and separated. So the Force, would you say the Force is again unbalanced as a result? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it just, it's going to get out of balance, but I, um, you know, with the, the new training of Kylo Ren and, and things like that, because I mean, there just has to be a balance, whatever that is, you know, and, and if it's out of balance, it's going to balance itself. And, and you can see that through the storyline and you can say, well, that's their decisions or stuff. But if you believe in divine destiny or karma or whatever it is, or a greater, power of uh, you know a godly figure or something like that you know can easily be that writing itself you know think of you know we talk about a lot i know this is out of out of uh, subject but we talk about a lot of the wheel of time right where it will correct itself and i feel like that that's kind of what will happen is that it wants balance and it will correct itself you know the universe or the metachlorians or the force whatever it is and we're going to see a true balance of the force in this next movie yeah. Yeah. Because the force doesn't really care if, if there's a, a big dark side contingent or a big light side contingent, it just, it just wants balance. Mm -hmm. Is that it'll course correct and make that, make that happen. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, think about it in what world does Darth Maul who has the high ground and we all know what that's worth. <laughs> After killing Qui-Gon Jinn, one of the best, you know, most powerful, most revered Jedi at the time, just, you know, just killed him, fighting his apprentice, and he flips over him and cuts the guy in half. In what world does that happen without some type of something taking part? Yeah, it was a pretty obvious move, too, because that's the only thing he could do. And Darth Maul just watched him. <laughs> and, and got cut in half. And... And for all his training and as powerful as he was, that should never have happened, right? Ever. I mean, even if you were to get caught off guard and they do it, I mean, you got Jedi senses, you have his reflexes, you know, everything in his favor and he still died. And so how can you say, not say the force isn't trying to balance itself because it's allowed things like this to happen, whether all of a sudden 
he wasn't force sensitive for one second, you know, or it was a little slower than usual or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And then for Anakin, for all his uh, good and bad things he did in the past, I mean, he turned on those he loved. He killed younglings. He, you know, he turned his back on his, his own apprentice. He, you know, watched, you know, Mace Windu get his arm cut off, electrocuted, thrown off a thing, right? He betrayed everything you know, and he's the most dark and crazy evil person we know. And yet, right at the end, he turns. And, you know, I, I don't think it was just watching his son be tortured. I think it was something more. Yeah. And also in this, in this film, we're introduced to the idea of the living force as opposed to the cosmic force. And the living force um, feeds off the energy of, of all living things. And as a result, eventually you get the, the idea and the, the concept of force spirits, force ghosts as a result. And the cosmic force is, I'm just reading off of Wikipedia, but um, so the cosmic force was an aspect of the force that bound everything together from energy fed into it through the living force. So if that's the case, you wonder why like they live in a city without big gardens and forests, right? Because if every growing living thing carries the force, like it's the living force, wouldn't nature be, you know, the more ample place to, to be? To, to yeah, I think that's an interesting concept because I think, that in episode three, Yoda talks about how their ability to use the force is diminished. Maybe that's a result of them being on Coruscants where there is no, you know, everything's buildings, concrete, metal, steel, you know, all these man-made materials. There's no, there's a lot of people, but as far as like nature, like you're saying trees and all that, there's none of that. But then when Yoda goes to Dagobah, where that's all it is, is, plant life and living things you know he's able to hide first of all he's able to hide you know in on that planet as a result because there's so much force energy there due to the, all the living things but he was he seemed to be a little more powerful a little more um he was able to live longer so that could contribute to it as well mm-hmm. hmm. yeah that's a good that's a good point too i didn't think of that but yeah, it's an interesting concept just because, you know, and I think Luke alludes to it in the last movie, right? Basically saying the Jedi lost their way. Yeah, so we're introduced to this living force idea and this cosmic force, how how the living force feeds into the cosmic force. There are two, I don't know if one's stronger than the other, they're just two different aspects or or what. That's one thing about the force is, is this really cool concept and, but it's never really defined. There's a couple of statements throughout the films here and there, but it's not like, I think when they tried to define it, when George Lucas tried to define it with midi-chlorians, you know, people didn't like that. And so I, I think he just pulled back and was like, okay, there's just this force that people use because <laughs> the more you define it, the less mystic it, it appears or the less, because you know, if you don't know the definition, you start to create things in your mind that are interesting and if you Mm. find something like the force then it's not as interesting well and i think if you can in my opinion if you can connect it to like living things like 
Um, and one thing that I've always heard is that humans, while we have an innate power, we're often conflicted, so we can never access that power at, at a better degree, right? Mm-hmm. You see that same storyline in every sci-fi show, fantasy show, whatever it is, right? We're really conflicted with ourselves, so we have a hard time understanding our our true power. Uh, but we we don't know much about Yoda or his people, right? But it could go to say is maybe they come from an area that they're more connected to planet plants and things like that. So he will have a better access to the force because of that, because of, you know, it's just in his people. Uh, you look at Mace Windu. I know there's a story out there kind of where he came from with his people and they are more connected and living in the forests and, and things like that. So, you know, that could start making sense why they would be a little bit, you know, more powerful than normal Jedi. Whereas some Jedi, they're born in cities and towns. And so they don't have that connection why they can access the force. They don't have a strong enough connection to be as powerful as those two. And, and so when I look at it that way, it can kind of make sense why, you know, call it metachlorians, call it force power or whatever, why they have more access to, to greater powers. Yeah, that's a good point. If their culture is already, you know, aware of the force and uses it more, maybe that uh, improves your midichlorian count because it's genetic or something to that effect. Um, but um, well, going back to Anakin and his, he said that he has the highest midi midichlorian count, and that he was he was conceived by the force by the midichlorians. Like there was no father, according to his mother, Shmi Skywalker. Another speculation that Darsidious was somehow involved in that process. You know, there wasn't any sexual contact or anything like that, but he, using the Force, pushed along or helped create Anakin as a, you know, as a fetus and growing and being born and stuff like that. There's that speculation out there. I don't think it's ever been defined. There's a little hint to it in Episode Three, but as far as we know, Anakin was conceived by the will of the Force. So that's an interesting concept that was never explained either. Yeah. Yep. I remember them talking, uh, you know, talking about that, but then it, it was never mentioned again ever. Right. Like even when Qui-Gon went and reported, Hey, I found this child. He wasn't like, Oh, and uh, he was born by the force. Shouldn't we look into this weird, right guys? Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's kind of like, it just got glossed over kind of like, like you said, you know, George Lucas is like, okay, you know, this is, this isn't going to work. Yeah. So, yeah. So in this episode one, the Phantom Menace, we're introduced to the force and all its complexities. Uh, we know a little bit about it. Uh, we see it used on screen a lot. A lot of cool powers, a lot of cool tricks, a lot of cool skills that people can use with the force. Um, it definitely plays, continues to permeate the rest of the films. Even in Rogue One, we see, you know, a non-Jedi used the Force to some degree with Chirrut. He's a blind guy, but yet he can see things through the Force. That's why he's able to to fight a you know a troop of stormtroopers and defeat him with a stick because he's able to access the Force. So, uh, you know, things like that are we see throughout all all eight, well, all ten films up to this point, and we'll definitely see. Some more in the 11th film, episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I was just thinking about his name's Chirut, right? Yeah, Chirut. And he, yeah, and he was like, you know, I'm one with the force, and the force is with me. Yeah, I'm one he's with the one force. Of, he's one of the coolest characters in that film. Yeah, and he just walks walks across, you know, and the, the will of the force, right? Uh, like you said, he's not a force user uh, or anything like that, and he just, but you know, he's one with the force, right? And he yeah. and he makes it across. And so there you go. Yeah, so we're introduced to the force in this in this episode, and um, we want to thank you guys for joining us here on this episode four of our new Star Wars series. If you have any questions or any comments on what we're talking about, definitely uh, find us on social media. Just search Credible Nerds on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, and let us know if you have any questions or, or comments. And, We'll read it and, and discuss it as well. So thanks for joining us here on the Credible Nerds podcast. And we'll catch you next time. See you guys. This has been a Random Angst production from the Credible Nerds.